One podcast to record them all. One podcast to promote them. One podcast to publish them all. And the darkness subscribe to them. In the land of Zencast... Andrew, what are you doing? Um, nothing. <sighs> Fill with a podcaster. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Month. Hello everybody and welcome to the final episode of Lord of the Rings Month. My name's Satsunami and joining me today is none other than the Hobbit you know, <laughs> is Andrew. Andrew, welcome back. Thank you for having me, glad to be back. But sad that the Lord of the Rings Month is coming to an end. It's been a very fun few weeks where I've got to chat about a series that I love so much. At this moment, I was going to say, it's not the end and everything. You know, a bit like Gandalf to be like, it's not the end, it's only a new beginning to other episodes. But on the other hand, considering it is the 20th anniversary of Return of the King, this month we will have 50 different endings for this month. There and back again, a podcast by Chatsunami. Yeah, how are you doing tonight, Andrew? I'm good, thank you. It's been a very podcast-heavy day. We've been doing prep work for today's episode. Yeah, yeah. Completely right. We had a, I think it was an hour and a half session before, and then, yeah, we had a bit of a break in between sessions, and then we jumped into this one. And yeah, see, in all honesty, I cannot believe it is the end of Lord of the Rings month already. As you said, it's been a bit of a roller coaster of a month because we've talked about the Peter Jackson trilogy, we have talked about the Hobbit trilogy, of course, that came after it, and then Craigie C and I talked about the wonderful. I say this in very much sincerity. The wonderful Rankin Bass adaptation, if you can call it that, of Return of the King, which surprisingly, would you believe, is 43 years old. So it predates the other one by about, yeah, 23 years, which is absolutely mad. This month has involved me watching, I think, around 20 hours of content, which I think must be the most in terms of homework preparation that I've done for an episode. I don't know about you. Yeah, I have to admit, usually when I ask you on for an episode, will watch a movie or play a quick game of something or even in the case of Chats and Nanny which I have to admit is a series that we need to pick up again it's had a longer hiatus than Hunter Hunter it really has next episode next week is Hunter Hunter week <laughs> But seven episodes of Hunter Hunter. Yeah, I think the only one that rivals it is probably the Death Note episode. That's true. Yeah, we had to watch bits and pieces. And, and I mean, unlike Death Note, Lord of the Rings is an enjoyable experience. I know I'm going to piss off a lot of Death Note fans, but come on, cope with it. Let's face it. <laughs> I'll take this potato chip and boil it, mash it, or stick it in a stew. I am not even going to attempt the Gollum impression I was about to do there. <laughs> I was going to do it, but I thought, no, no, we've got an episode left and then that's it. But yeah, usually in these theme months, we have a couple of episodes dedicated to the topic itself. And I cannot believe this. I was looking back and we have done six themed months throughout the years. Would you believe we did a Halo month? We did Sonic month. Then we did Spider-Man, Terminator, Simpsons, of course, and then Lord of the Rings month, which is the six. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. I genuinely can't believe it's been six months already worth of themes, which don't get me wrong, there's going to be more in the future. But as you may know, listening to these theme months, we usually end on a really a quaint trivia quiz, a true or false quiz, where 
I usually ask my lovely co-hosts what they know about the particular series we're talking about. But yeah, this episode's the tables are turned, aren't they? I am the quiz master. Instead of a Chatsunami, you'd have an Andrew. More frightening than the dawn. Is this where I yell death? <laughs> At the top of my voice. Death. Yeah, before we go on to that, before I absolutely embarrass myself with the lack of knowledge that I have on this series, what have been your highlights of this month? I mean, just generally getting to rewatch the Lord of the Rings series has been wonderful as always. To be honest, revisiting The Hobbit was very interesting because it had been so long since I had seen it. And for the case of a couple of them, I think it was only the second time I had seen it ever, which says a lot about my impression of The Hobbit in comparison the rings which i've seen probably 40 times by this point that i've not seen it as many times but yeah it was actually quite enjoyable to watch through those again and admire some of the aspects that i did enjoy and sort of analyze the reasons why i felt it didn't work and just learning so many little factoids about the series and as part of my research was very interesting no i would totally agree with that it's really interesting usually for films in general when you get to peel back the curtain and you get to see what went on behind the scenes and everything but considering lord of the rings is one of these franchises and of course trilogies as a whole that filmed for 15 consecutive months and it filmed all three of them in a block it did things that at the time were revolutionary feats of cinema making it was absolutely fascinating to go back and look at that and I completely agree with you on your Hobbit point as well because I have to say The Hobbit is one of those films that is I wouldn't say again it's quite hard to talk about it without comparing it to Lord of the Rings as we said in our episode but actually watching it as a standalone thing it's not the worst it's not as bad as people make it out to be and that was really interesting to see Return of the King the animated one I can't really say the same for that one and all I'll say is you can thank Craigie C Andrew for keeping you out of that episode because oh boy it's an experience any of the listeners at home they'll probably tell you as it's an experience to go through that film it genuinely is an experience but yeah, speaking of experiences, will we crack on with this trivia quiz? Helming it this time, I think we're good to go if you are. And as always, we will be right back after these messages. Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that's sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Want to know more about Scottish professional wrestling? The SWN podcast interviews the veterans and new faces of the Scottish wrestling scene. My name is Billy Strachan, and I've spent the last eight years immersed in the world of Scottish professional wrestling, bringing enthusiasm, passion, and now I'm diving into the stories of those behind the characters around the country. Search for SWN Podcast on your favourite podcast platforms, YouTube, and Facebook for audio and video interviews, along with bonus podcasts like Shark Dojo Series, SWN Live, and Entitled Wrestling Podcast by SWN. Visit swnscotland.com to find out more, or search Scottish Wrestling Network on social media. 
This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low-quality, one-track audio waves. But with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So... Andrew, do you want to kick us off? Yep, let's jump into it. Now, remember, listeners at home, if you want to play along, feel free to put your answers in the comments and send those to us. You can pause and play along as needed. And remember, if you get a better score than me, I definitely do not want to hear about it on X slash Twitter or Instagram or any other places. Please don't message us gloating that you're a better token head than me. I think that's what you call them. (laughs) Token fans, tokenites. We definitely don't want like lots of people to listen and do that avoid sending this to your friends so they play along as well we don't want satsunami to look any worse than he's already gonna look so let's just get into it though i think do you think that worked <laughs> do you think the reverse psychology worked <laughs> there's only one way to find out all right question one for satsunami and the listeners at home true or false john reese davis who played gimli is so tall and all the hobbit actors are so short that they didn't need size doubles or cgis in shots of gimli and the hobbits together Hmm, now that is a good one my mind is leaning towards true but okay i don't know because i don't think gimli's taller uh, not that he's a short person, but I don't, you know, obviously he's not as short as Gimli in real life, but I don't remember him being like a necessarily tall person. Because, I mean, isn't Harrison Ford taller than him? I mean, Harrison Ford's a pretty tall guy. He doesn't seem the tallest, if I'm honest, but I'm going to go with true in that one. So, sorry, could you say the question again? No, you get it once. No! <laughs> John Rice davies who played Gimli, is so tall and all the Hobbit actors are so short that they didn't need size doubles or CGI in the shots of Gimli and the Hobbits together. But isn't Gimli supposed to be the same size as the Hobbits? No, dwarves are slightly taller than Hobbits. You know what, I'm going to go with true. I get the feeling it might be false, but you know what, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's true. Ooh, well... You are correct for the first answer. Oh, uh, John Reese davies is actually that much taller than the Hobbit actors. How tall is he? He's six foot one. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh damn. So I'm nearly the same size as him. That's good to know. Oh, sorry. He's nearly the same size as me, <laughs> I should say. All right. Well, you've you've nailed question one. I tried to throw you through a little bit of a loop there, but you, uh, you avoided it. A Hobbit curveball, if you will. Exactly. Okay. Question two. This is a multiple choice. In the DVD commentary, it is revealed by one of the actors they farted during the scene where the four hobbits escaped from Farmer Maggot. Which hobbit was this? A. Mary. B. Pippin. C. Sam. D. Frodo. It's either going to be Mary or Pippin. Remember, it's the actors, not the characters themselves. Oh no, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm aware. Because I know Mary did the prank call for Elijah Billy Wood. Vervigs. <laughs> Billy Vervigs. Oh, such a good video. For those of you who haven't watched that interview, just look at up prank interview with Elijah Wood. Oh, so good. It's just, I, I think what I find funny was just when he was talking about a dolphin that he acted alongside like a kid's song or something. It died and he just burst out laughing. He's just like, why are you laughing? <laughs> 
<laughs> so funny. Was it Dominic Monaghan? I can I always get Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd mixed up. I can never remember uh, which is which. I think it was Dominic Monaghan. Yeah, Dominic Monaghan. Yeah, he's the same one that plays Mary and Pippin is Billy Boyd. Billy Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna go with. Oh god, this is a tough one because I bet you it's neither of them. I'm gonna go with Mary. You go with Mary, eh? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mary. What's your final answer? Yeah, I don't think it is. I bet you it'll be a Frodo. <laughs> Did it? Or I mean, Sam wouldn't fart. Come on. <laughs> Sean Astin of all people? No. I know Sean Astin. That man is a saint. I mean, come I mean, on. He has ass in his name, but damn it, I should have looked harder. <laughs> I should look harder for the answer, Aston. Are you ready for the answer? Yep, I'm going to go with Mary. You're going to go with Mary? The answer is actually D, Elijah Wood. You should have gone with your instinct there. Oh, of course He said that when they all landed on each other, pressure on his stomach made him pass gas. Oh, there you go. The more you learn. Well, you're one for two so far. How are the people at home doing? Uh Uh-huh. Ooh. They are doing better than you currently. Okay. So, question three. True or false? Sean Bean hated riding in a helicopter so much that he would get up extra early to go through makeup and costuming and then hike to a mountain location every day in his full Boromir getup. Now, I know this is true, but I do love the stories behind that, that everybody had to go, or not had to, but everybody got ferried up on the helicopter and there's actually a scene I'm pretty sure I can't remember if we talked I think we talked about it in our episode on the trilogy where there's like a blooper where he's up on the mountain <laughs> and all you see behind him is this helicopter rise up and he looks behind him the helicopter looks back at the fellowship and it's just like <sighs> but yeah but that one I would say true. Do you know that as a fact? Or like, do you have reasoning behind why that's the case? I just know that as a fact. Because I remember it's like he was terrified of helicopters, I'm sure. They just, he wasn't confident riding in them. I just, I can imagine if there was like a seasonal hill walker there or a mountain climber. And you know, you walk by and a guy just dressed in full Boromir gear and you're like, what the hell? Yeah, I'm going to go with true on that one. You are correct. It is true. Woo! Very good. I bet he was glad uh, that he was only in the first movie and he he wouldn't have to keep doing that for all the others. Spoilers, having died in the first one. Oh, spoilers, come on. I mean, it's only over 20 years old. <laughs> it's only the trivia episode for the entire series. <laughs> I know, perish the thought. Okay, moving on. You've got two out of three. So you're 66% correct on questions thus far. As long as I get half of them, I'll be fine. I'll be able to keep my nerd credibility. It's like a C at university level in the UK. Worth it. <laughs> Get a 2 2. Question 4. Multiple choice. It is well known that Tolkien was an established polyglot, both in real and fictional languages, but how many languages was he known to speak? Was it A, 8, B, 11, C, 15, or D, 19 languages? I'd like to hear your working as well, please. Can you give me the answers again? I'm not going to give you the answers. Oh, the answers. (laughs) Can you give me the answer, please? Can you give me the multiple choice? Yeah. 8, 11, 15 or 19. I haven't noted down all the languages. I've just noted down some of them. So 8, 11, 15, 19. Correct. Now I know he was a huge, huge language fan. And, you know, to obviously the extent they created his own languages for Lord of the Rings. And that is such a fascinating process. What's interesting, in addition to sort of creating the languages, he created dialects within those languages. Yeah, because he has. I'm going to get killed by the Lord of the Rings fans here, especially the elven fans. But I know there's an elvish language he had and then it evolved into Sindarin, I want to say. I think it was one that began with a Q. It was supposed to be Old Elvish and New Elvish that they spoke in the Third Age and things. It's all very fascinating, but I'm a nerd like that. In terms of real languages, I'm going to go with a safe 
maybe 15. I want to say 19, but I feel as if maybe that's too many. No, that's too many. (laughs) I want to learn all the languages. Because he definitely knows more than 8. He knows more than 11. We all know more than 8 languages. Come on, guys. Oh, yeah. No, he he would definitely know more than 8. I'm going to go with 15, because I I do believe that's probably the sweet spot, because I know he probably knows more in terms of ancient languages, I would assume, but in terms of core languages that he could use every day, yeah, I'm going to go with 15. Your final answer? Yeah, I'm taking a risk here by not aiming high. So yeah, that's actually my pet peeve with a lot of quizzes, where like they'll think they've got you, but it's just like, you're clearly writing the highest number because you want it to be like the shocking thing. But no, you're right, it is 15. He spoke 15 languages, including Old Norse, Spanish, Old English, and a working knowledge of Finnish, which he taught himself. He also developed 15 different dialects for Elvish for his The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings series, to name a few. That's impressive. Three out of four you've got, so you're 75%. You're doing very well. You're seeing through my tricks, my ruses. Well, for now, you'll bamboozle me. I can't believe you got me with the fart question. (laughs) That's where I've been failed. Everything else, I'm like, yeah, you see, linguistic complexities of Tolkien's work. It's like, yeah, I understand that one. Who farted in Lord of the Rings? Not a clue. clue. Would Would you expect anything less from me than to include a fart question? Okay, question five. We're coming up to the halfway point, folks. You'll have the uh, the halfway stretch very soon. True or false? 1990 saw the release of the first Lord of the Rings video game, an RPG titled J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings Volume 1. Players controlled Frodo from a top-down Zelda-like perspective as he recruited the members of the Fellowship, faced off against the Nazgul, and helped NPCs with side quests. So this was the first game of Lord of the Rings? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to go false on that. The reason being that you're a dirty white... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, the reason being that I know before there was a lot of text-based games, like your text-adventure games, and I have seen like quite a few. Off the top of my head, I would assume it probably be the 80s. I mean, if it was at the 70s, it would be a push, but... The 70s was like Pong. Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking. It might be too far back there, but it must have been the 80s then. But I know there was a lot of text-based games, and they're all just as bad as one another. And it's actually a really weird one, where it's like half of it's text-based, and the other's like a kind of weird action-y one. And it's like you have to try and shoot down people from behind this wall and everything. It's really weird. There was a great video on it, but I would personally say it's probably false, because I'm pretty sure the text-based adventures came before something like a top-down game. Because let's face it, people didn't know what they were doing with video games back then. They were just like, quick, put some text in it. It'll be fine. <laughs> we're so close to putting click adventure. Just get this out. Just reskin the ET game. I'll be fine. Okay. So you're saying it's false? Yep. Saying it's false. Okay. You are correct and you're Ooh. exactly right. Whilst this game did exist that I mentioned, the first recorded Lord of the Rings game was text-based adventures with the Hobbit game in 1982 and the Lord of the Rings colon game one in 1984. So you were spot on. When you start bringing up the text-based adventure, my eyebrow rose because I always like, oh, he's, he's onto it. Yeah, I have to admit, I did watch a video like a good month or two ago about the Lord of the Rings games because I was actually looking at games we could have played, and then I was like, yeah, I've not got enough hours on the day to go back and play these text-based games. You know, hunt them down, try and make them work on the PC. I mean, if you enjoyed them at the time, I'm not going to hold that against people, but Jesus, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I was I was trying to find out some little factoids about games in the Lord of the Rings series because I was like, I wanted to try and get some diversity in the questions. So I was trying to look for some good factoids for games. And I was struggling to find too much. I found, just found like a history of the Lord of the Rings game series. And that's where I kind of stumbled across these little facts. So I thought I'd got a good one there to, to stump you, but you saw through me once again. That's the one you least expect. All right. So you're four out of five. That's 80%. You're increasing by the question. All right. Question six. I hope everyone at home is making a note of how well they're doing too. Did you get the fart question? (laughs) (laughs) If so, then reach out. (laughs) You shall not pass gas. You know, is it terrible me asking people to say, if you did get the fart question, please put that in the comment. In the, in the go on quiz in the style of in the style of text based adventures, type fart if you if you got that question correct. All right, question six, multiple choice. Both Peter Jackson's movies and the 1978 animated version diverge in many ways from Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy. In both versions, the character of the Elven Lord Glorfindel is replaced. Which character replaces his role in the movies? Is it A. Elrond, B. Arwen, C. Legolas, or D. Haldir. See if this wasn't a multiple choice question, I genuinely would think you were making up that name. That does sound like the name that, you know people who hate fantasy and they're like, oh yeah the wizard Glorfindel, why not? Glorfindel. Glorfindel, Glorfindel. <laughs> Potato tomorrow. Initially I was going to say Elrond, but I think I'm going to have to go with Haldir. Go with D, Haldir? I'm going to go with D, Haldir and I'll tell you why, because I feel as if Elrond's always going to be there. Elrond's always going to be a part of the story. They go to Rivendell. That's, I'm assuming that is like a big part in the books. And then they go to Lothlorien and they meet Galadriel. See, if you had Galadriel in there, I would have stumbled and thought, okay, it is Galadriel probably, but I'm going to go with Haldir because I feel as if all of them have a set place in the story. Do you remember who Haldir was? Yeah, he was the one who gets killed in Hell's Deep, but he's also the one who meets them with Galadriel. Who was B? Sorry. B was Arwen. Arwen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with Haldir. Okay. Locking in, jump. I'm doing it. So, okay. I may have messed up a little bit with this question because I think I may have made a mistake here, but the correct answer, to my knowledge, is B. Arwen, because Glorfindel kind of has Arwen's role in much of the film. Glorfindel, to my knowledge, is actually her brother, maybe, or something like that. Uh, Tolkien heads, please correct me. And he's the one that discovers Strider after Frodo's just been stabbed by the Ringwraith and helps to get Frodo safely to Rivendell. Then I believe also he may have been fighting in Helm's Deep and they may have replaced his role in Helm's Deep with Haldir. So I think you might actually be somewhat right. So I think I might have messed up that question a little bit. They get a half point. (laughs) I'll give you the full point because I think you are actually technically correct. I know I'll be um actually if I don't. I think you are technically correct. I was toing and froing about doing Galadriel or Haldir for that last option. I chose Haldir and I'm like, shit, I shouldn't have done that. You chose poorly. I know, different franchise. (laughs) Okay, seven. This is a true or false, and it kind of leads on from our last question. Okay. Originally, Arwen was supposed to have a bigger role in the fighting scenes of the movie, fighting in scenes such as the Helm's Deep battle. I'm going to go with false. So you're saying Arwen was supposed to be a bigger part of Helm's Deep? Yes. 
or including Helm's Deep at all, because she's not in Helm's Deep in the movie. I mean, I'm leaning towards false. I just don't see it. You know, that way it's just I don't see them writing her in, because at the end they obviously have the big happy ending where Aragon marries Arwen and they live happily ever after and everything, so I don't know how that would have fitted in, because I get why they put in Haldir for that battle, because he is... I suppose a disposable elf is the wrong word, but you know, because you can't kill off Elrond, you can kill off Arwen, as I said, Galadriel, that's a no-go, Legolas, of course, he's one of the main fellowships who survived, so no can do. That didn't stop Boromir. Well, that's true, but I mean, Boromir, he's not in this film, so he gets no say. I was going to say he is technically Boromir's in the extended edition. We're going to get hate mail (laughs) by the Tolkien Society. No, I'm correct in every regard, except that last question where I was stupid. I mean, technically, you got a 50-50 chance for that one. But yeah, I'm going to go with false in that. I just, I don't see her being part of the battle. I mean, I could be totally wrong. You could be, and you are wrong, because it is true. Well, it's true that she was supposed to be in the battle. Yeah, um, not only was she supposed to be in the battle, but in some scenes you can still see her through the crowds. Or rather, you can see her stunt double fighting against orcs because they weren't able to edit her out of a lot of the scenes. There are certain scenes, like when they're running across the little stone bridge back into the castle to hide, where they were able to digitally remove her. But there are a couple of scenes where you can make her out. So what happened was that in the first movie, in the first movie, she has the scene where she replaces Glorfindel and saves Frodo and takes him to Rivendell and has that badass scene by the river. And that was not received particularly well by certain members of the book lovers who sort of were then concerned that Arwen was going to have a much bigger sort of fighting role. And so during post-production of the other films, they were like, all right, we should remove her from this fighting scene. So she's not seen to be this badass fighting lady because that's not what the fans seem to want. And so they removed her. Yeah, it's kind of weird because when you watch the first one, you're right. She has this egg action scene and it's pretty badass where she takes on the ring wraiths and everything. And then after that, she does nothing, really. She just kind of sits about and cries that Aragorn's messing about out there and you're thinking, eh. Well, the intention was that she would come to Helm's Deep and she'd have a very emotional scene with Aragorn and the two of them would share, like, a bath together or something and it was going to be, like, a very, like, sexy scene as well. Bath in Helm's Deep? Ugh. How dusty was that place when they got there? I'm not bathing in cobwebs. Ugh. In before somebody comes in and is like, actually, it's elven bathwater. <laughs> That's disgusting. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> elven gamer bathwater. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Ah, uh, the token society has devolved since. <laughs> but yeah, no, I didn't know that. I'll happily accept that loss in that one. Mm-hmm. You've stumbled now, so that's five out of seven that you've gotten right. All right, question eight. True or false? The initial version of Guillermo del Toro's Hobbit heavily featured Tom Bombadil with the eccentric character in the majority of one of the films. Tom Bombadil and The Hobbit. You're familiar with Tom Bombadil? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing guy that was cut from Lord of the Rings because they said it was too much padding. Well, padding, singing, whatever adjective you want to use there. (laughs) Fluff. Filler, if you will. I'm going to go with false on that one. I do not believe there was a call out there for Del Toro to be like, oh, yeah, do you know what I need in my twisted fantasy film? Do you know what I really need? I need a hobbit god that goes around singing. No, I'm going to go false with that one. I bet you it's one of these, like, ones that's going to be true, but... Final answer? Yeah, I'm going to go with false. There's no way, surely. It is indeed false. Oh, thank God. Tom Bombadil was too difficult to introduce into the storylines of any of the Lord of the Rings or Hobbit films. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember hearing that for Lord of the Rings. I can see why, because it seems as if it's just such a massive detraction. You know, they're going to Mount Doom, of course, they're going to Mordor, and then they just bump into Tom Bombadil. They have afternoon tea with him and everything, and he sings, and then he just disappears again. So, yeah, I couldn't imagine them trying to weave him in. I spent an evening several weeks ago just reading up more like what Tom Bombadil is. I didn't read the books. I've always been very confused. I just imagine that... (laughs) You type it into Google, what the hell is a Tom Bombadil? You're not far off, that's pretty much what I did. So I just read, it, read an entire wiki page on Tom Bombadil, where he appeared, what his relevance is, what actually he is. He seems to just be like an ethereal fey being. He's not any of the known species in Middle-earth, there's no actual explanation as to what Tom Bombadil is. I could be wrong in this, but I think he's one of the only few people who's incorruptible for the One Ring, which again, that raises a bigger plot hole. Why not send Tom Bombadil? Yeah, it's a huge plot hole there. Bigger than the Eagles one. You know, it's like, why not just give it to him? I think it's just he had no interest. Yeah, he's doing his own thing. You have to want it. Yeah, he's just like, ah, I can't be bothered with this. I'm on my own side quest looking for afternoon tea. You're like, oh my god, Tom, please save us. People are dying. I don't care. This is my song. <laughs> well, I'm glad for that. I would actually be really surprised if that was true. Wouldn't put it past them, but yeah. Nice. Alright, so six out of eight. He's doing pretty well. Question nine, the pen- ultimate question. Another true or false? The final Hobbit movie was at one point going to be R-rated and they had to cut out key violent scenes to get it under the R rating. The final Hobbit film? Yes, the Battle of the Five Armies. Now I'm going to take a risk here and say that's true. And the only reason I'm saying that's true is because I know for a fact there is a more violent version of this film with the extended edition because there's like a scene see when they're riding up to try and stop Azog and all of those horrible orcs and everything. Thorin and co. decide to ride up in their goat chariot things, but they've got spikes on the wheels, and there's this bit where it's like they leap off this small hill, and they practically behead all of these trolls with blood splurting out everywhere, and it's just it's really weird for a Lord of the Rings film. Like, it's not the first time we've seen violence and blood, because we've seen it, obviously, in the original trilogy. We've seen the heads of the Gondorian soldiers get hurled over and we see them close up in detail but I'm gonna go with true for that because I know those scenes exist but yeah no I'm gonna go true for that one final answer yep final answer absolutely sure yep 100% you don't want to change your answer oh don't tempt me don't tempt me You're correct, it's true. As you said, the extended version of the Battle of the Five Armies features heavier violence, including a few grisly images that turn up the bloodshed during the fantastical Battle of Erebor. Yeah, that was really weird to watch. Have you seen those scenes, out of curiosity? No, I've never seen the extended edition of The Hobbit. I'll be honest, I don't think I want to. The theatrical version is long enough. Do you know, I don't think the extended edition actually adds all that much. But even then, (laughs) even then, whether it's 12 minutes or 20, you're like, do I want to sit through more Hobbit? But yeah, those scenes are pretty brutal. I remember seeing those and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is what passes for entertainment these days. Oh, golly gosh. Clutching your pearls. Exactly. Clutching your mithril. (laughs) Clutching the one ring like, oh my goodness. Oh my my precious. Okay, we're up to question 10. You're at 7 out of 9 so far. So we come up to the last question. Folks at home, how are you doing? Ooh, that one stubbed you? Mm, I thought it would. Yeah, I got that one wrong too. Death threats? I don't think that's necessary. Well, it is a token society. They are a feral bunch. (laughs) For legal reasons, that's a joke. (laughs) Please redirect your complaints to Andrew. Wow. He will take the (laughs) brunt. 
<laughs> I'll just slip on this one ring of power and leave. <laughs> ah, fun times. And with that, we move on to the final question. It is multiple choice. Question 10. What was J.R.R. Tolkien's first civilian job after World War I? Was it A, working for the post office? Was it B, working for the Oxford English Dictionary? Was it C, working as a translator? Or was it D, working as a police constable? Do you know what the most frustrating part of this is? I've been wanting to watch the Tolkien film for ages. I've not seen that either, just thinking about it. That should have been uh, part of Lord of the Rings, man. Yeah. (laughs) We'll do it as a bonus episode. (laughs) Freeze frame scratch. That's me. I'm actually wondering how I got into this question. it's on Disney Plus, although I could be totally wrong in that. I think you're right. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that for ages, and I kept saying, ah, I'll watch it, I'll watch it, I'll watch it, because I am really interested in his life story, because he just absolutely rich history with his life. But yeah, I should have watched that before I came on tonight. The thing is, I don't know if he would have had the experience to be a translator. So what were the options again? Working in the post office, working for the Oxford English Dictionary, working as a translator, working as a police constable. I feel like he could have feasibly done all of those jobs. That is kind of the point. Yeah, yeah. I do feel as if he has done all of them, but what came first? I'm probably going to say post office because I feel as if it makes more sense going from the post office after World War One, one of the most brutal conflicts in history, to a police officer. So yeah, I'm going to go post office. I'm probably going to regret it because I know obviously he has done probably all those jobs, but... Your final answer is A then? Yeah, but I'm not confident in that one. Unfortunately, it is not A. Oh. It is B. He started with research for the etymology of the words warm, wasp, water, wick, and winter, and left the Oxford English Dictionary Company in 19 19- 20 to pursue his academic career wow i made up the others he don't think he's done any of the others like i felt as if this was going to be one of those trick questions where it was like oh no he did x and y first before he found his footing but that's actually pretty cool though that he decided to work there and he was like screw you guys i'm making up my own languages this one's too hard <laughs> let's make it harder i also learned from my research that he was born in south africa really wow that's also a fact i didn't know you should have put that <laughs> Well, I didn't know if that was common knowledge, so I didn't want to add that. Not to me, surprisingly. Yeah, well, I get stumped by what you do and don't know, apparently, because I was like, I was like, ah, oh, this will get him. And you were like, oh, yes, text-based adventure games. Yeah, I know who that is, but as to what Hobbit was passing gas and what, what was the other one that got wrong again? Arwen's and yeah. Elephant in, in the films. So I don't know who farts and who's at Helm's Deep. And of course, I don't know Tolkien's job, so. So you're a misogynist, you're a fart denier, and you're rubbish at thinking of jobs. Okay, the first one a dispute the other two <laughs> the other two i will happily lean into that <laughs> i don't know anything about them. <laughs> i am of course joking yes yeah, uh, the lawyer in the corner is giving me a stern talking to i mean as i said the first one no absolutely not the other two mm. we'll come back to that in the next episode <laughs> The smelter delta clause, if you will. Mm, of course, of uh, 1967. Tolkien was a master of his... <laughs> he was way ahead of his time. What I was surprised by was the publication of the book. I thought it was like ages and ages ago, but it was like the 1950s that he actually published the Lord of the Rings books. Yeah, because it was, I want to say 37, I could be wrong, where the first editions of The Hobbit came out. Well, I could be wrong on that. I'm sure it was the 30s. Well, late. 30s. 1937 was when The Hobbit was published. The Lord of the Rings is 1954. So it was like 20 years between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings books. That's absolutely crazy. Another 25 years later for The Silmarillion. And he still got it finished before George Martin. Way. Way. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Game of Thrones fans, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your unfinished series. What's wild is the Lord of the Rings came out the same year as the Lord of the Flies. Really? Huh. But it is amazing how this series has endured even from the 1930s because the fact was that it started as a story for his kid, you know, with The Hobbit. And I don't know how true this is, but I like to believe it is that he kept telling his kids the Hobbit story, but he kept mixing up the facts. So it was like they mm. were saying, no, no, that troll was twice as big. No, no, it's the scene with Bilbo and they got really frustrated. He was like, you know what, I'm going to write this down book. <laughs> and he you know, went away and wrote it and solidified the facts, as it were. And now it's become this beloved children's story and then as you said in the 50s you got the Lord of the Rings trilogy which is just absolutely it's amazing to think that after all this time this is the quintessential fantasy series that people will gravitate towards it's such a wonderful wonderful franchise that it stands the test of time the books themselves can be quite difficult to get into this modern age but the story itself is just so brilliant and just transcends centuries absolutely fantastic series both in terms of literature, both in terms of filmmaking. But did you know that the Beatles were supposed to be making a film for this and they actually went to J.R.R. Tolkien? I did. We actually bring that up in the Lord of the Rings episodes. Yeah. And I had a really bad impression of the Beatles. But what I didn't realise though from that was they actually went directly to him. I knew they wanted to make a film, but I didn't realise they went to Tolkien themselves and they asked for the rights. And apparently it turned out to just went, no. Because he had the rights at the time, we went, no. Mm. No, you're not making a Lord of the Rings adaptation, which I thought was pretty funny. The rights have stayed with the Tolkien estate this whole time. They've just licensed it out to various studios that they've approved. But yeah, they're generally pretty, I don't want to say lit- not litigious isn't the right word, but they're pretty guarded with the property. Rightly so. But then you get adaptations of like Gollum and you're like, mm, were they that guarded? Or should they may have been a bit better with that? To be fair, it kind of reminds me of the way James Bond has gone. Because you get some adaptations and some spin-off material and things that seem like a right labour of love for the franchise. You know, I think it's Anthony Horowitz who has done a lot of amazing books from my childhood anyway. You know, like Alex Ryder, The Diamond Brothers, those kind of books. And I think he started, and this was years ago he started doing this, but he did a lot of James Bond books. And I must have been the people who owned the rights to that, you know, they were more than happy to let such a seasoned writer do stuff like that. But then on the flip side, you get the video games. I feel as if when it comes to certain areas of multimedia like when a franchise becomes so popular and it becomes part of a multimedia franchise where you've not only got the books, you've not only got the films you've now got games and spin-offs and such. Yeah, I don't think, I totally agree with you you get games like Gollum and you get a lot of the games that you had in the past I'm pretty sure there's a Game Boy Advance game as well for I think it's a Fellowship Mm -hmm. that if you play it in a certain way it's soft locks you. Either it soft locks you or it removes your save file, something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah, that's really poorly optimised, so I can understand that they're not going to be au fait, huh, au fait, with a lot of different areas, but yeah, they, they just need someone who knows what video games are. <laughs> just say, no, no more Gollum. You shan't pass and all that. What's so sad about that is I was quite intrigued by that game when it was announced, 
just I thought it was a very interesting different take on a Lord of the Rings video game but it took so long for production after it initially being announced without hearing anything so for a while I was like oh did this game just like get cancelled or something because it doesn't seem to nothing seems to have been released for a while and then it just kind of dropped and everyone was like this was the worst games I've played. The funny thing is much like a lot of other bad games that have came out this year you've got Gollum, you've got the King Kong game and of course you've got Modern Warfare 3 well hey but I doubt I'm going to be paying any money for any of those so yeah it'll be interesting to see where they go in the future but seeing that though Andrew thank you so much for yeah becoming the quiz master for the first time in these theme months. No thank you so much for having me and letting me assemble the, these questions for you I hope both you and the listeners at home enjoyed my quiz master skills. Quiz mastering if you will. <laughs> quiz mastering exactly master of questions and yeah I hope to do this again. As Andrew said and I said both jokingly and serious if you got 10 out of 10 if you got 5 out of 10 if you have any questions about the questions you know feel free to reach out to us and let us know how you did so you can either contact us through our website chatsandami.com but you can also listen to a wealth of absolutely fantastic episodes with Andrew and myself you can also catch us of course on any good podcast app you know you've got your Spotify's you've got your Instagram's you got the TikToks feel free to reach out to us and just let us know how you did what you thought of the quiz what you thought of the month as well because we would love to hear what you thought of Lord of the Rings month we absolutely love doing these theme months so yeah if you've got any suggestions for any future ones please 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 let us know and don't forget to follow us on Patreon where you can get access to exclusive content and early access to these podcast episodes that's at patreon.com slash chatsunami yay (laughs) I did it right yeah you did I'm I'm so proud of you (laughs) Once again, I want to thank our amazing Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battles Hoster and Sonia. Thank you so, so much once again for both supporting the channel and, yeah, supporting this month. But without any further ado, and as always, you'll know the drill, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated.